Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings and welcome to our next episode of Tapping Into Spirit. We are challenging you to think critically about your conception of spirituality, religion, and connection to the creator and how it manifests in the world. Today, we are joined by my good friend, Dr. Adisa Ajamu, for our second uh, mini conversations about spirit. We're going to pick up a little bit where we left off and take it even further. Um, this concept of spiritual transformation and, and um, the purpose of life and death and how it evolves. And, you know, we uh, were able to, um, since the last time we talked, this movie. Uh, soul came out. And so we're going to use that as a uh, foundational jumping off point because it had a lot of important um, and interesting uh, concepts in that movie that I think uh, folks find relatable. So we're going to spend some time um, talking about that and, you know, let the conversation go where it goes as, as, as is want to happen uh, on this podcast. So, but um, hey, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Good to be with you again and uh, pick up where we left off and, and see where where the conversation takes us. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the, the first podcast of 2021, and we are excited about uh, this year. And, uh, and despite all of the madness that's happening or trying to happen in the world right now, um, um, I think at the end of the day, Spirit's going to... Um, do what it does to keep the path moving the way it's supposed to go because that's just what it is, you know? Everything is in divine order. Um, any thoughts about some of the current happenings before we jump into our topic? <laughs> um, well, you know, the, the whole, obviously the, the political landscape, uh, the election, um, the the, the degree of how unstable uh, this republic is really when you think about it. That really one person who is refusing to, to basically follow the rules is throwing all of these, like they don't actually have a plan for how to deal with somebody who is you know, basically on their way out of office. Um, and and just to start contrast, you, you know, everybody watching this knows that Barack Obama would never be able to do the things that 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 Orange Julius is doing, yeah. so so you know that that whole kind of just that that whole dichotomy and just again like you know you when you when you watch it you you, know, you watch it unfold you can see why 
in uh, Latin American countries, other places why dictators have the stronghold that they have because it, they recognize that oftentimes the government that they have is on is very, it may seem strong on the outside, but it's very vulnerable mm-hmm. to collapse. It's like this one is very, you know, so despite the fact that we have the most powerful military in the world, we are, we are the most powerful economy, we are the world's lone superpower. The country literally sitting on the brink of a, of a coup because one person who's a narcissist uh, is being empowered by other white folks who just simply won't, you know, step in, step in, and be like, "Enough is enough." But I think, I think it's coming. I think it's coming to a close because when you watch how these things kind of unfold, there's a there's a series of ways in which you you kind of let the person know the jig is up, and uh, and if you don't if you don't start cooperating, they, there are ways in which we will we will make you cooperate. <laughs> so so the first one is like so you go through the whole process of you know you know the Jewish uh, jurisprudence so that you go through all of the costs and all that has been you know you exhaust that process the electoral college and now this thing that's happening in in in, the, in Congress about them contesting the electoral college election what's interesting is that that you know all of these uh, former defense secretaries actually wrote a letter mm-hmm. speaking out and that's and that and that's and that's not insignificant you know uh, them and the business what they're basically saying is that you basically are you know, a care uh, taker of, of the White House, but you don't own it. Right. And this is us letting you know that basically pretty much bro, line up or get lined up. Like that's <laughs> like, like pretty much, that's like, you know, I mean, to put my point on it, like, you know, when you go back and look at how Kennedy got dealt with, right? Like, like the, to execute somebody publicly like that, that wasn't just about like trying to let him know. That was about letting other people know like, yo, you can get you can get touched at any time in any place <laughs> of our choosing when you when you fall out of line. And I think that that's the um, I think that's the part that that people who don't really look at how uh, uh, these governments are maintained are not seeing. Like there there are there there are people who are who are subtly from the outside it seems subtly letting him know. Look, it's time to go. But th- but that that subtle tap is a hard thump. Right. And and so he, he's going and, and, and what you're going to see in the next um, couple of weeks is, is a lot of folks who think they want to ride with him about to be like, nah, I'm out. You already saw a bar like William Barr is like, OK, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm tapping out here. You know, this ride is over for me. I'm, right. I'm tapping out. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm about to get off this ship because somebody somebody pulled up next to him and said, look, bro. It's, it's, it's time, you know, Doug Christie, who rolled with Trump for the longest period of time. It's been very critical, like it's over, right? And 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 what I think what you're seeing is that Biden is, you know, the kind of president that is saying, look, most of what has been the status quo will remain unchanged, right? So so there so there'll be a, a transfer of responsibility, but not a transfer of power in a sense. The power still remains where it has always been, and so so a lot of what what Biden is doing is basically just reinforce, you know, letting everybody else know that look. The system's still going to work the way it's worked. So at that point, you know, it's just a question of just one employee and another. And so, as, as, as you look at, at the choices that Biden has made, all the things have been pretty much to say, look, you know, it's going to be the, the status quo, the kind of governance that we we are used to, and and Trump is sort of an outlier. So the markets are responding to that. Um, most of the business tycoons are, are slowly saying, yeah, okay, we're going to ride with that. 
And and the person who, who who is slow to get the message is Trump because he recognized that he's he is open to some you know some severe legal jeopardy on the other side of that. Although I don't think that he will ever serve time. I think that it's possible his, that his children and people close to him could. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that's that's and that's well, that's what he's holding on to right now. You know, and then you know then it's the other thing about you know. At some point, we don't, you know, maybe maybe 50 years now, people actually have a, a real honest conversation about whether or not, you know, we had a president in the White House who may have been a Russian asset. You know, right. right. <laughs> at some at some point, we're gonna have some point we're gonna have that conversation. Just like you know, we now we're in a place where we can we can have an honest conversation about how the Kennedy assassination was an inside job that wasn't possible 30 or 40 years ago. We were still going on, the, you know, the Warren Commission, even though people were like, come on, man, you know that ain't real. So. So you know, here's here's a question that that I've been that's been percolating in my mind, um, on on a spiritual tip as it relates to all of the injustice that that happens in this um, quote unquote democracy. Um, when we think about the uh, 400 years of trauma of the slave trade that has happened, and um, all just the con- all the way through to today, the continued trauma that happens. And you know, black people, black folks are some of the most um, like we know how to pray, <laughs> we know how to worship, we know mm-hmm. how to um, you know have faith, and yet continue to be in spaces where we are getting the short end of the stick, and people whose hearts appear to be black, like that leader of the house i mean a leader of the senate mitch mcconnell mm. i don't know anybody who was just i mean in my mind that is just evil personified and they still they stay prospering at least financially um what do you think about the spiritual energy of that whole concept where we can we continue to be on the bottom all this time. I think, yeah there's a there's a kind of there's a um an implicit bias at work here in other words when people think that they are right they assume that all of the ideas that they have always align with their side but even people pray too <laughs> like you know what i'm saying even people pray too so you know like people like go I step into a room, all my ancestors, when white folk got ancestors too, you know what I'm saying? Chinese people got ancestors too. You're like, there's a whole idea that basically, because what, what people, this is my experience where I've been with black folks, black folks don't want to really fight. Because when you want to really fight, you're not, you're not you not, what black people want is they're so tired, they just want to be given the victory. Mm. So like, if I just pray, you know, God's on my side, I'm like, nah, this is a war. And I think that's what people, I think that's what, what Europeans understand better than most. It's a war. You know, you got ancestors, I got ancestors. The, the history of Africa is replete with, with people who fought wars and were conquered and they take on the gods of the people who conquered them, right? Like your, your gods are stronger than my gods. So evil people, you know, spirit is just energy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's neutral, it's how, you, it's how you use it, right? And, and for better or for worse, in this country, at least globally, Europeans have used that force, they've used that force better to achieve their end than we have. And I was telling someone that, you know, I was uh, telling someone the other day that, that one of the fundamental differences between African people and Europeans is African people want to be God-like. Europeans believe they are God. 
And that drives how they move through the world. You can't move through the world just conquering folks if you think you're trying to be God-like. But if you think you're God, you do. So the, so I think it's like we're praying for God to intervene. They're like, no, I am God. I'm 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 the intervention. <laughs> I'm the one. Like how how else do you get the gumption to go to somebody else's land just to like take people for three hundred straight years like just straight that ain't that's 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 a different kind of mindset. So whatever whatever uh, Mitch McConnell is working with, I'm like we need to figure out what that is because it's working, right? Well, well, but is it working? Like so, there's the other. There's, I mean, the, the flip side of that is is he really happy even with all the material accoutrements that he has? But the other thing is like when we think about the folks in, in this, even the Native Americans of, of this country, and you know, Africans, the fundamental principle was not ownership of even the land. It was, you take care of the land, the land takes care of you. There's enough for everybody. We don't need to fight about this. This concept of domination and ownership of the land came with Europeans. So <clears throat> spirit, Manifesting if spirit doesn't, you know, how how would you say spirit manifests in either of those con concepts? It seems to me that the kind of reciprocity, and maybe that's a value that I'm putting because yeah. of kind of how I think about it. But I think the reciprocity is more in line with with spirit. Yeah, I I, I would say that that's this is I think the thing we run up against. The we didn't create the cosmos. The cosmos created us. The cosmos is indifferent to how you know the cosmos has its own plan for what order looks like. Human beings try to impose an order on that, but that ain't necessarily like like. Does the cosmos really care about whether or not I get this job I, I applied for? I'm, I'm my answer is probably not. Like that's not that, that's not that's not. But but again, but, but I'm I, but I'm imputing my desires onto a larger cosmological framework. Does it, does it, you know, it's almost like when people would be like, okay, you know, back in the day when, when Miami was in its heyday, right? And they was, they was, they was Molly Whopping Notre Dame, right? And like, okay, well, look, you got the Catholics over here, you got these, these Catholics, but look, the, the people who had the better team, better coach, <laughs> better discipline, was just running rough shot. <laughs> At the end of the day, it didn't matter. Like, okay, well, we, we're from Notre Dame, we have this esteemed Catholic tradition. Like, bro, on the football field, it come down to skill. And, and that's the thing, in this world here, it's not about whether or not you're you have the right position or the wrong. It has a you know it, it has to do with how well you're able to bring to summon your reserves to affect the world that you wish to see come alive. That's that's the that's the bottom line here. That's the whole argument between Osar and Osiris, right? And and you know the whole Assyrian drama about might versus right. It's a constant struggle. It's a constant engagement. And the people who already think that they're they're they are right. They're the disadvantage because they think that there's gonna be some other kind of intervention that's gonna automatically come to their side. Where the people who don't who ain't concerned with that just push like think about all think about all these mafioso cats who go to go to mass every Sunday. You think that they don't you don't think they don't think the guy's showing up for them? <laughs> well, and I mean, you see this even when when teams are in sports, like both teams are praying for victory, right? And, and the team that wins is always like, well, God wanted us to win. Eh. I don't know if God really cares about who wins this football game, this basketball game, but people kind of feel feel that way. I mean, if we even if we put it in terms of right in in this Yoruba spiritual tradition, you might do Ebo. Why are you doing Ebo? 
and that's that's um, some type of sacrifice to change the direction or the fortune of what is right. happening right. right currently. So I might do a bow to open the door so that I can get this job, or I might do a bow for protection or safety. Right. So something as simple as going to the railroad track and throwing some coins to appease Ogun, right, to shift the energy. So why, if if I if I'm not tapped into that energy, why am I doing that? Yeah, but here's the thing. So let's go back to like, so say I go, say I go to Ogun to an office elbow for this job, right? There's somebody else out there that that that, that want that job too. They might be a good person too, but if but if the elbow is successful for me. I mean, they didn't get that job, right? In other words, we 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 never we we never ask the, the other side of the coin. Like when people when people say to me, "Okay, look, you know, uh, what well, well, you know, the airplane went down and God saved me." So the other six hundred people who perished, God just wasn't right. looking out for them. God right. was looking out for you. Exactly. And so so me is all that's my point. Like people keep we keep acting like the cosmos has some special design for human beings, but maybe the cosmos don't have any more concern for us than it does for a butterfly or an ant. And that human beings have to be the ones that advocate in the ways that make that make it work in their way. You know, uh, uh, January first was the the anniversary of the Haitian Revolution, mm-hmm. right? So even after they even if they they do the ceremony and boys came into Ogun that it, that starts the Haitian Revolution, they still got to fight. They still got to have plans. They they still have to organize an army. They have their supply lines. They weren't just like, okay, look, we did we did this little elbow in in in, in the sacred grove, and that's on. Our job is done. They were like, okay, you still got to work your plan, and that's what I mean. Like, so even though we might not, you know, Mitch McConnell might be evil. Mitch McConnell is good at he's good at the evil that he's working, right? And he's working that evil better than the people who think that they have they have some natural right to win. And that's and that's my that's my point. Like that sometimes with black folks, we think that okay, we, we got so we have a natural right to win. And I'm saying that that natural right to win has to translate into a, a into a fight that 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 it it encourages you to fight because it is your right to win, not because it's somebody else is going to do it for you. So you're saying that you got to pray and fight. You got to pray right. and do. Yeah. And 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 that every that every prayer also is the is every prayer that you ask for is also the denial of somebody else's prayer. Right. If I'm praying for this sister, there's some other brother that's praying for that sister too. If I get her, that means his prayer didn't get denied. Now I got to now I got to ask myself a question: Am I more invested in his prayer being answered, or am I more invested in my prayer being answered? Because that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I think that's what the what the Republicans understand. Mr. McConnell, it's not about whether or not you're happy. Not. It's about whether or not you're able to impose your will to produce the world that you want to see come alive. Because the other the the, the obverse of that is somebody else's will coming coming to fruition and that's what McConnell's thing is like now now am I now am I making my thing come alive but I'm denying your right for your thing to come alive mm-hmm. that's that's the other part of it and I think that's the part that gets lost like every time you get a blessing right when we go and we you know we sit down to man you ask for something right the thing you ask for is also means that somebody else asking for the thing ain't getting it. And, it and it's the person who is going the hardest for the thing just like in sports the person who go the hardest is the one that oftentimes persevere Right. If, if, just, if, if the talent is equal, it's the person who, who who goes the hardest that is the one like, you know, just like when you're playing racquetball or you're playing golf, like Tiger Woods had an edge because it was mostly like, like down the stretch. He had this thing like I'm the one I'm going to pose my will on this course. Like that was it. It wasn't no, like I'm going to pose my will on the court. 
And I think that, that when you look at folks who are great, like LeBron, it's, there's a point in the game or Jordan where they they impose their will because they recognize somebody else is trying to impose their will too. And I got to impose, you know, so my job is to make sure I impose my will so that, that what I want to see come alive comes alive. So we can look at different, so I, I think about this a lot in terms of how strong people are in their beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. We got tradition, spiritual traditions all over the world. Um, and there are people that are literally willing to die for what it is they believe in. Like you, you go to Palestine, folks throwing bricks against, you know, at right. tanks, right? That's a, <laughs> like, that's a no-win proposition, but you right, right. you are willing to throw a brick at a tank. Like who, how, how many people do you know willing to do that personally? Right. Well, we, yeah, but the, 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 um, I always bristle when we do these comparisons, you know, between like African peoples here and other places, because, you know, the Haitian revolution, Africans were the majority population in Haiti, right? You 12% of the population here. Right, you, so you're 12% of the population. You are, in terms of resources, in terms of material resources, you you probably amongst the poorest of the, you know, in terms of material resources, and you lack you lack general social cohesion. So you don't even have the framework in place for a legitimate revolution here. So you, so your so your discussions are really about integration and radical integration. That's 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 that, that's the that's the framework. That's the framework that we're dealing with here, and so. Part of the the, the 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 challenge in terms of like you know getting black folks to understand is that when you twelve percent of the population, thirty percent of the population, group solidarity is everything. Mm -hmm. It's everything because that's the difference. That's you know that, that but Jews make about four percent of the population in the United States. But there's a certain level of solidarity and social cohesion around at least the state, the right of the state of Israel to exist, so on and so forth, and they can rally around that. I think that that one of the challenges that we have is that we don't understand. Um, where, where we are, you know, where we are strategically, and it, it impacts our tactics and the ways that we move. So that we, so we oftentimes talk like we are a larger portion of the population than we are, and we don't understand that, you know, if you're 12 or 13 percent of the population, what's the range of choices and options? So the Palestinians are in a different situation, right? They they actually on their land. Right, so they so for them they you, they throwing bricks because they got nothing they got nothing, they got nowhere else to go, right. you know. And like they, you know, so 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 it's like like it's like uh, in New York we sort of say like you know rats are like you know rats will always run until you corner them. You corner a rat, it's on. Right, like I got nowhere else to go. Let's get let's let's do this thing. Right. And so the Palestinians are out there in part because of two things. One, the Palestinians recognized recognized a long time ago that the, one of the most important things to do is keep the idea of a Palestinian sovereignty alive. So that so while the folks are not there, you know, people who are not out there and guys in the West Bank, you know, in places like Ramallah fighting, they're not, they're not, they weren't around in 1948, but each generation has kept the idea of a sovereign Palestinian state alive so that each generation comes into it. And so in some ways we've done that, like the whole idea of an African consciousness is something that that each subsequent generation has kept has kept alive till the time comes when you can actually move on it in a more forceful way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we got to get people to be more invested in the practice part um, and not just the um, the worship part. I guess. And, and but the challenge for us is that look for African Americans. This is all you've ever known. So the so the choice is always going to be about integration on some level. 
So it, it's it's not like so in the Haitian Revolution, there was there were two cultures here. There was you know there was that 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 African and the plantation culture. There was the free you know free African culture, and then there was you know the planters from the outside. So the free Africans and 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 Africans on the plantation came together because they had some common interest. In the United States, the challenge for us is that it, it, even the most radical of us still don't have a vision that doesn't require us to basically integrate into a system that's already pernicious, mm -hmm. right? Like, like I, don't care how, I don't care how revolutionary you are, when you put your card in the ATM machine, you want your money to come out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, you, you, I can like so. You know, you you still stopping at the stoplights. Like the other words, like like the whole. There's no framework for another world. Only into you know mo slight modifications and tweaks, which is part of the challenge that we had with the decolonization period in Africa, right? That all these all these all these countries simply did was they just basically threw kente over, you know over already existing British government or, or French yeah. government or German government, form of governance, the same thing in South Africa. So unless you can have, a, unless you can offer a fundamentally different worldview, which is the, which is where, really where the, where the next stage is at. What, is it, what does the world look like in which African values are at the center of that conversation? Okay. And we, we're, we're not there yet, but we're closer, we're closer now than we were 30 years ago, 40 years ago, um, you know, the, the, even even this this podcast, the, the, how casually we talk about like Ebo and African spiritual systems, you know, 30 years ago, that was not, you couldn't have that kind of conversation. You call, you know, witch doctor, voodoo, shaman, you know, right, right. so, you know. Well, even in, even in, you know, it's a good segue into um, looking at uh, this movie, Soul, that came out, this Disney movie, Soul, uh, that is in a lot of ways a radical um, look at death, life and death and what happens in the afterworld that again, 30 years ago would have been, um, people might've said was blasphemous. Um, mm. But now there's a, a, an acceptance, a ground for that to come and for people to consider, hmm, that's an interesting take. And it's one that's not um, foreign to folk who are involved in you know, African spiritual systems uh, because it's part and parcel to that in a lot of respects. Uh, but it is a, it, the allowance of that and, and the ability for people to see themselves doing something different than just thinking of it as I'm gonna die, I'm gonna stand in judgment <laughs> and then I'm either going to go to heaven or to hell, right? Um, so I like the fact that um, that can even happen right now. Um, and by the way, I think that this last four years with this maniac has been good for us in that it is he, <laughs> one of the best things he has done is taking an ax to this thing they call democracy in the constitution, which was built on a lie to begin with. So it was never gonna stand up anyway. And we couldn't, modifying it was never gonna work. So I like the fact that he's taken an ax to it because we need to just start all over and maybe starting all over will allow some of those things that um, we're talking about in terms of being able to center us better um, or at least having a, an equal centering 
that allows mm -hmm. for our perspective to sit on common ground as opposed to being way, 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 way down and well at the bottom, the floor. Yeah, so 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 the the movie is interesting in a number of regards. Uh, and before I jump in, I wanted to say this that that we tend to think about the affairs of humans as being driven by humans, and not that the affairs of humans are being driven by the cosmos that created the humans, right? So that, that so that in every age, certain certain ideas are possible and actionable, right? So. You know, so for instance, you, you know, having, you know, Malcolm X could have been possible maybe in 1897, but he was, but he was actionable in the 1960s because the, because the, because the time had, had shifted to the point. It's almost like, you know, you could have had an idea for, let's say 1850, you got an idea for a cell phone. You ain't got none of the other stuff that's possible to make a cell phone happen. Right. <laughs> There's all these other interventions and technological advancements that have to happen before you before a cell phone could even be born. Right. So you so even though you even though you have an idea, it, it can only come to fruition in a certain time. So I could have had an idea for TikTok in 1960, right? But think about all the all of the the, the technological advancements that have to happen in computing and technology in order for that to even get to that point, yeah. right? And it's the same thing, you know, here, it's like there's a certain, you can have a certain consciousness, there's a certain consciousness that has been with us throughout every age, but certain ages are more fertile for that idea to grow in the flower. Mm -hmm. And we're moving, you know, other people talk about this, the age of Aquarius and the, and the ancient, the ancient Egyptians, the Remek talked about the whole idea of these, the great year, right? That each year was, you know, these ages of 2,155 years. And that the great year was a cycle of 26,000 years and that each age represented sort of a moment, right? And so you see the, you know, the age of the Piscean age and which is why we see the image of the, most people don't get this, but that's why the, there's an image of the fish that's associated with Jesus because it represents the whole idea of the Piscean age. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I'm saying is that, that this idea of- Which is the coming Aquarian, to end, right? Right. And the, but the Aquarian age is the age of well, the more spiritual enlightenment. And mm -hmm. an awareness of a consciousness that is beyond just the human dimension. So, so, and since the movie Soul is, is it comes in the in the being because the time is right for it to flower mm -hmm. and for it to be received. And then there's the other part of it that's just straight genius. There's there's two ways that you you can get controversial ideas out in ways that are palatable. The first one is through comedy, and the second one is through animation. Right. So you watch you, know, you watch shows like The Family Guy and The Simpsons. Those are hard cutting satire, but they get away with it because they use, you know, like some of the stuff that Stewie says in The Family Guy, the dog, like if, if that was just a regular drama, it would be off the air a long time ago. Right. So so part of the ability, part of the genius here of Disney was to recognize that you could get these ideas into the popular consciousness, A, because the time is, is probably ripe for it, but also by making it an animated kind of dynamic, people are more willing to receive it. Than if you if it was just a, a just a straight up kind of drama, uh, so that part of it, I, I thought that was you know, part of the brilliance of, of the reason why people are receiving the ideas in the way they are. The reason why you're not getting all this uh, pushback from Christians and so on and so forth because it's an animated feature, mm -hmm. uh, and you know historically black people have always been sort of the avatars for for white folks' notions of consciousness. So it's not surprising that these ideas. Are, are carried on the back of this brother, you know. It's it, it, so the 
avatar for these ideas of, of, of consciousness and of, of destiny and purpose and, and afterlife and so on and so forth, because that that's historically how, how, how this country has related to black people as being sort of the avatar for their pain, for, for white angst, for white pain, for white suffering, for white notions of transmigration. So in that sense, it, you know, the it made sense that it would be a black person that would, would, would carry the weight of those ideas. Hmm. A lot of people had a problem with with that, um, the black person and the obvious white person, even though it was a blue, um, right. a blue right. bubble or whatever it was, right. um, it was a white voice. So people automatically ascribed it being a white person. Um, and so the black person dies and basically leads her to um, a space of, I guess breakthrough, spiritual enlightenment, right. and right. and she in, in in one point inhabits his body, right? And so right. this this whole uh, concept of black people always being uh, a vessel or, or something to be used by white by white people for their advancement, um, and I'll say watching it, I didn't necessarily think of it that deeply you know, afterwards thinking about it and, and kind of having some conversations, I could see that, see that concept. Um, and even with him ultimately having to go on his spiritual journey, you know, I, I, wanting him to have that chance to go to the concert, you know, that, that I, I wanted to see him be able to shine and have his moment. Um, but I also, just understanding like the butterfly effect. And if one thing changes, everything changes. And, and just how that can um, disrupt the the cycle. Like we're not in charge of that. Sometimes it's your time. Um, right. So I was kind of fighting with both of those feelings there, um, ultimately knowing that he still had to, if, if they allowed him to come back, then it takes it in a whole, it becomes this fantasy kind of, Thing as opposed to something that we can look at as a, a, a real occurrence. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that that's that's the part of the sleight of hand that the movie does. It makes you believe that that there are certain real elements when the whole I think the whole thing is made up to begin with. Mm -hmm. You can have any outcome you want to have, right? Mm -hmm. But it, but it gets you to but it gets you to believe that the only outcome that is achievable is the one that was achievable, right? So that's 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 that. So in other words, when you're making a movie. It's already once you already start with the premise of the whole idea of an afterlife. At that point, all bets is off. You can you can you can do anything you want to do going forward. The 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 the, the choices you make in order for it to work, you got to have the audience believe that the choices you make were the only ones that could be made. Otherwise, the artifice doesn't work, hmm. right? So that so that so that it makes it palatable to sacrifice the brother in that way because the audience thinks, okay, again, that's the only way this could have worked out. But nah, it's not. You get to come. You got. You could have a whole meditation on on afterlife. You know. You know. Uh, after death experiences that people have. You know. Like this whole thing. I, I was. I was. I, I. I died and I came back and I got this new kind of understanding. Right. Mm -hmm. And that takes you on a whole other thing. And you got to still explain the philosophical implications of that. But that's not what Disney is interested in. What Disney, in my opinion, is interested in is the same thing they always interested in, which is the magical Negro. This is basically the magical Negro trope meets ghost. Right. <laughs> so. So. Think about it. Think, think about it. Like. So. So. You, you, we don't, this, this cat don't have no friends. We don't know nobody's life. In other words, his, in other words, 
you got to believe that his life is just so sad. Like all he got is his mama and her friends. He got he got no friends. Even the the way that they 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 created him makes him look like a straight buster. So it's like this. So this. So it's like so. Because what what you want to do is you want to play on the sympathy of the audience. Well, yeah, going to afterlife is better than the shit he was living before. Because he was you know, he wasn't really having no good life. But if, but if, but if they if they do somebody who look at Morris Chestnut, the Idris Elba, and he got a lot of women checking for him, his life is good. He's like damn. Send that brother back. Send that brother back. <laughs> but again, these are like these are all decisions that are designed, in my opinion, to make you um, uh, less sympathetic to him and more sympathetic to the white women. Because we can call it what it is: people are raised and you know engendered in this country. So the moment you hear the voice, you know a couple things. You know, a it's a woman. You know, it's a white woman. They, they, so blue blue aside, we 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 understand all of that. So 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 that, that that's why they chose Tina Fey. They could have chose Regina King. Who is probably the best best voiceover artist on the planet? Right, right. right. So, you know, she she did she did all the voices for the Boondocks. She did the, both the boy character, the, the, the boy characters, and and right. and the girl right. characters. Right. So, awesome. so you could. But, I wonder what right, would have happened if she was the voice. Like, but, what what would that have point. done in terms of changing the dynamic? That's an interesting question. And that and that and that and, that, and that's my point. My point is that the, everybody they they know that everybody. Primarily, all the white folks watching that know that it's Tina Fey. Or they don't know Tina Fey. Know it's a white woman. That's that blue bubble. So no matter what, in the back of your consciousness, the white woman, the white person, get to live at the end of the at the end of the day. That, that's that's because if you put Regina King in there and, and Regina King sound like Regina King sound, then it's like okay. Then all of a sudden, now it's not just it's not just a Disney movie. It's a black Disney movie, right? And, and it's because and- again. But I mean, uh, what's wrong with that? I, I, I really, I, you, you know, I really would like to see that would have been a great experiment to have one group of people watch it with Tina Fey and one group of people watching it with Regina King and see if, in fact, there was a difference in how it was perceived. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we would be because we ain't invested a hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, man, just on the real. You be the restaurant, be like, hey, do I want to take a chance on this entree? It's like twenty four ninety. It's like twenty four ninety five. Don't want to try that. Like, uh, add a hundred million to that. Like, <laughs> it's a great experiment when they ain't your, when you ain't writing the check. What to me was interesting is what this is about. All of that is that basically the movie was not made for us. It was made for white folks, and it uses it used us as the vehicle because nothing about the about the Jamie Foxx character in the movie is all that interesting. We don't actually really even know he's a good jazz musician. We don't. We don't you know we don't we don't know we don't like who is his friends, where he like we don't know at the point that we meet him, he already is a loser in life. He basically living with you know, like he's not really he's not really successful in any particular right. way. So there's no so you so you don't so you don't feel a sense of loss when he don't go back or when he makes the sacrifice for the Tina Fey person to go back because you feel like okay what was what was he going back to anyway but that's all by that's all by design it's all by design to undervalue the black the black presence so that the other the real uh the the most important character in the story the tina fey character ends up being the one that carries carries the day so so it becomes and then you can throw all the other stuff in there what's interesting is disney says that they they brought in a lot of consultants to talk about dealing with the anti-blackness element Right, mm-hmm. but they ain't bringing no black consultants to talk about the about the spiritual philosophy that's undergirding right. the story itself. So, in other words, you don't get to you don't get to participate in the intellectual development of this of this intellectual property. 
you could you on your only thing is to make sure that we don't mess up the, the Negro part of the Negro portion of the show so that everything can move according to plan. Mm-hmm. Right. So so the, we got all these great theologians in the country. You, you mean you can invite no black theologians in here to have a conversation about you know the afterlife or philosophers, you know, you could even have you know Cornell West do some voiceover up in that joint. So to me, this was not, you know, this was not a movie. This is a movie that 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 included us, but was not about us. And uh, and and again, because black people are so rightfully thirsty for representation, we're willing to, to accept that representation, even if the representation is at its core an erasure of our own humanity in the process. Mm-hmm. As long as you get to see us, it's okay if you're a racist. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about the portrayal of the afterlife and um, the connection to how it is portrayed currently? Um, did that make did that resonate with you in any way? Well, in in this sense, like you know, if, if you are a student of of uh, Western philosophy. Um, you can see, you know, what most people don't get is that, well, I should say most people, a lot of people don't get is that there's a whole um, body of thought about the afterlife that, that, that's wholly unconnected to religious thought, right? In our, in, in, in our country, you know, almost all discussions of the afterlife are connected to religious thought, whether, whether it's Islam or Christianity or any of the, Af- you know, some of the African spiritual systems. But there's a whole body of philosophy that is concerned with the afterlife that is not at all concerned with religious conversation. So a lot of these uh, threads, were, you know, you can find them in existentialism and then phenomenology, you know, especially the Heidegger stuff. So for me, that, that was, again, people's conception of the future is always tied to their conception of the present and the past. Right. And so it's not, so it's not surprising that, that the, that the conception of the afterlife looks a lot like the ways in which people conceive of the good life in the physical realm, right? Freedom of choice, the you know the 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 importance of 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 purpose, right? But again, what if what if what if in the, in the, in the spiritual realm none of that is, none of that matters? Like I always have this conversation with my friends, like, can you try to get to heaven? But what what is the, what does the average day look like in heaven? Is there a bus system? Like, I mean, do, how, you know, how how do people get around? Like, do you just teleport? Like, seriously, like you saying you want to spend eternity, but you ain't gave no thought to what. Uh, an average day is every day just like church all day long. Like you know, you just sitting there and God's holding a sermon. Like, what what is what does heaven look like on a daily basis? And almost every time you talk to people, heaven looks a lot like like the earth does without the, without the bad stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's just, it's just take away all of the negative stuff on earth, and that's what heaven is. And like, but is that really you know? Is that just basically that's that's the limitation of your imagination? So for me, you know, as I was saying to you before, like. There's all these other cosmologies out here. You know, the Yoruba have a cosmology, right? They say, okay, you choose your destiny, your Ori, you choose your destiny in heaven, and you choose your parents in heaven. So what does that, what does the movie look like from a Yoruba a Yoruba cosmological perspective? Right. So let's just say that the spirit chooses his parents. So now the movie shifts to these two people and they meet and they procreate, and then this, this spirit comes that has chosen to come through them. And now that they're, they're here, we not we follow them in, in terms of them, them trying to fulfill their destiny and the obstacles that they encounter, the crossroads they encounter. That to me is a very interesting movie to tell too, mm-hmm. from an animated perspective. But again, we're not given uh, we're given a particular, a culturally particular perspective, and it's offered as if it is a universal. 
right? So it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not the Western interpretation of soul, it's just called soul, right? But what we're getting is a Western interpretation of soul that, that may not actually speak to the real experience. If you talk to somebody who is in, in Kisi, they got a very different concept of how all of that works out, how all of that plays out, you know? Um, so again, I just thought that it was, it was, it was, it was more about this kind of Eurocentric slice that is offered in a way that feels very ecumenical or universal, even though it is very particular. You know, what's, what's interesting to me, uh, you know, what you were just saying made me think about this, even the use of the word soul, right? Because automatically when I, I I think as black people, when we hear soul, we think about us. <laughs> right, right. But the people who made the movie were thinking probably about our soul. Right. The soul that everybody has. Right. And so the psychological play on that word to draw in people who otherwise might not have, um, you know, because, you know, when we follow something, it becomes a hit. Like that's right. That's a, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, TikTok, when we do it, it it's the trendset. We the trendsetter. So they can use that soul and the image of the the main character, um, or rather, he, one of the main characters, I should say, um, that can be put forth. And even in the trailers, it looks like it's about him. Right. In the trailers, it looks like it's a story. Up. Exactly. Um, and, right. and you get in there, you're watching it, and then, no, it's not so much about him. Um, it's more about her. And even one could make the argument that he's a bad guy in terms of the way he treats her at some points, right? They, they have this thing with him standing over her, yelling at her, telling her she's no good. And she's, I uh, forget the words that he used, but he was basically berating her and saying that she'll never amount to anything. And this is his life, and he 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 looks like the evil person in that in that moment. But it, but it go, but it goes to this whole conception that is just so frustrating to me is that basically, time and time again, Europeans create art that says that we don't matter, and and we still consume it. Like I'm thinking about the you know the the Netflix series Bridgerton, right? So basically, Bridgerton takes place in the period of time which Africans are basically enslaved, right? But because there are a few Africans in it, in positions of authority, everybody's like, oh, this is great. You know, this is like, you know, this is what, what, what um, a race blind casting looks like. Nah, this is, what, this is what white supremacy looks like when they recognize, okay, look, all I, what I need to do is maintain hegemony is to throw a couple of uh, sprinkles of, of, of pepper in the salt, because it's still going to remain salty. Mm -hmm. So to me, that, and, and, and so soul works because there's the bait and switch. You see the, the the black character, that's what's being put out there, but that's not who the story's about. Any more than when you go and look at the movie with uh, Demi Moore movie Ghost, it's not about Patrick Swayze. The story's about Demi Moore, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's called Ghost, but it's about the, but the, but the person who the, the story is built around is, is Demi Moore character. So this is not, so the movie is not, so soul is not about black folk. And then it, it underscores the other point, which is that in African, a lot of African traditions, I'm thinking now the, the Akan and the Yoruba, there's them thing, spirit and soul is two different things, right? Same thing in, in, in the, so the soul is more like your personality. Spirit is the energy. So, so, so from our perspective, 
the 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 would have been called spirit. Right. <laughs> would not have been, been called soul. Exactly. Soul is soul is, is the soul is the way in which you which each spirit it, it, it distinguishes itself, makes itself distinctive. Right. Right. And so it's, so in the context, it's more like it's the personality, right? So you and I both have spirit, yeah. but it's the soul that makes you you and me me. Right. So again, even if you, as I said, if if we look into even to our own traditions, we recognize that soul doesn't actually encapsulate what African people would be talking about. We've been talking about spirit. Mm-hmm. Because spirit is what comes back, and the soul is all those other parts that you add to it that make make you a distinctive spirit in a sense. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and and you know it's interesting they were putting personalities in the souls, right? right. Uh, you're going to be um, uh, outgoing. You're going to be an extrovert. You're going to be introvert. You're going to be uh, all these different things. They were seven of you going to be this and right. Um, which is an interesting take on when you think about uh, nature versus nurture and personalities that people develop and even um, kind of some of the things we talk about in terms of uh, uh, astrological signs and the, and the mm-hmm. dynamics that go with different um, um, uh, astrological signs and horoscopes. Um, so, yeah, that was that was another interesting it, it- and I, I think I think we still we we're still you know reckoning with the um, how much of our understanding even of our systems are fraught with a lot of the white noise of other religious ideas, mm-hmm. right? Because even the concept of spirit is not what we think it is, right? So really, what you're talking about is a force. Spirit is is the work that the force does. Right. So, you know, so even when you go back to that, you know, the, the root of the word, that root of the word spirit is spirit, right, which means to breathe. But something has to be breathing mm-hmm. in order for that breath to happen. Right. That's the, that, that's that, that's the force. Right. So you're talking about Arisha. Arisha are force. And what they do, because all all spirit or energy is, is the result of that force. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when, when you're really talking about what, what human beings are endowed with is force. And what we do in the world is the spirit. So, so, so spiritness or, or the quality of that spirit is the work that we do in terms of exerting the force. And it goes back to the whole question of like will and intent. So when people say, look, you know, uh, this person's got this kind of energy, they're, 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 they're borrowing a concept from physics, but they're using it the wrong way. That in nature, nature is about forces. And, and that energy is about the ways in which force exerts its will and intent. Right, so we so we talk about energy. We talking about what is you know the, the, what is generated by the work. What what is the in, what is generated from the work that you do, right? And so so even that, even when we talk about like you know African spirituality, it's really more about like you know it's almost like African force, and and what that force is able to produce in terms of energy and spirit. And I think that, but again, you know, I think that it will take us some time to really reformulate the language so that, that the, the the concepts we use actually mirror what we're actually talking about. Because mm-hmm. when somebody says, you know, energy can be neither create nor destroy, that it really changes forms. That's true, but that's the that's the result of the force. Mm-hmm. Right? That the the, the the force is created in the, in the energy, right? Well, and that's the whole idea. Like when you talk about Arisha. Or you talk about uh, uh, lewas or loas, or you talk about the robs, or what you're talking about is a, is a force in nature, and this ability to affect 
certain kinds of reality. In other words, the, the, the work that it does, the energy, the, the spirit of it, mm-hmm. the spirit of that force. So we're talking about Oshun, or we're talking about Eshu. Eshu is the force. The things that Eshu produces in the interaction with that force is, is the energy. So, okay. so you do the Ebo because the Ebo is designed to actually get that force to produce a certain spirit or spirituality into the world that then affects the change. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, if you think about a gun and the the energy that makes pulling the trigger and the bullet propelling out, the energy right. of that then going out, it's, right. it's a similar kind of concept. Right, right, and that, and that's the and that's the that's the part that happens when we don't when we don't step back and interrogate certain assumptions, right? Because again, we are we are learning about these things through a language in which these uh, systems were not created in. Mm-hmm. And we are borrowing from where, you know, as, as a psychologist, people oftentimes will use psychological terms in ways that don't have anything to do with how they were intended, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because people don't, because people are borrowing, they're borrowing a concept without understanding the, the, the epistemic and methodological frames that, that, that give the concept this meaning and its heft. And so we're doing the same thing with, when we talk about, about physics. But you think about in, in, in the world, you know, in terms of uh, electromagnetic force. Right, the ability to, to to pull something or repel something, right? The 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 magnet itself is the force, right? It its ability to pull or push is the energy, mm-hmm. and so when we, we think about human beings, and this, I think this is a really good way in sort of thing. If you think about human beings as as natural forces, then it's about your ability to either you know as a natural electric electromagnetic force, your ability to either be able to pull towards you what you need. Or to repel those things away from you that you don't. That's the energy. That's the spirit. Mm-hmm. But you yourself, you are as a human being, you are a force of nature. And you know, when, and and you know, if we could extend the metaphor a little bit further. Like you know, uh, the most powerful magnet. There's two types of magnets. There's a standard magnet and there's electromagnet. Standard magnets like the refrigerator magnets that we see. So standard magnet doesn't have any collapse. It can stick to stuff, but it, you know, but it can't. It can't attract things. Whereas electromagnet, you know, it can lift freight. It can lift cars but electromagnet only works when it's connected to a power source when it's connected to a power source then it allows and so maybe that's a lesson for us that as 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 natural forces we're connected to a a, a power source and that power source could be analogized and be like god we're connected to to the divine mm. then it allows us to be able to pull to us those things that we need mm. you know and to repel away from those things we don't so then the principle of attraction makes sense not as something that is a function of like prayer and intentionality but a function of you being grounded in in your forceness in a way that that connects you to a to a a, a divine a divine power source that allows you to pull so then meditation makes sense because meditation becomes a form of grounding prayer makes sense because it becomes a, a way of, of of connecting to that that power source that then makes you the force that makes it happen in your life so, so it's not about god making the miracles happen in your life it's about you connecting to God in a way that you make the miracles happen in your life because you exactly. are a force right. that, that's pushing that out. Yeah, right. but it ties it back to what we were talking about in the beginning in terms of letting your prayers then be coupled with action. It's it's a I mean right. it just brings all of that back together. Did you just come up with that just now? Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, man. I'm just riffing. But, 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 I think I think we need to um, develop that. That is 
a great way of thinking about it. Like that, that's really profound. Yeah. And, that, and that's why, you know, I, I say to sisters, like, look, you know, when we're talking about strong black women, we're missing the point. St strength is a function of instrumentality. Like strength has to do with the capacity, like how it is used. Power has to do with the function of how force is used. So when we talk about of, of hurricanes, we talk about hurricanes in terms of power. We talk about its impact in terms of strength, right? So we talk about, we say a, a, a hurricane is a category five, but then we talk about when it hits land, you know, how many miles an hour is traveling because strength is the, is the outgrowth of its, of its power. So not that, so the goal is not that black women should, should be strong, it's that they should be powerful because anybody can be strong, you know, a towel can be strong, a paper towel can be strong. That's just, that's just a, capa a capacity to endure, it's the instrumentality. Whereas powerfulness connotes force, like my ability to be able to impose mm -hmm. my will. Okay. So going back to the Mitch McConnell thing, it's not about it's not about right or wrong here. It's about Mitch McConnell is tapped into something that is allowing that person to exert their force in a way that the energy they send out is, is doing the work that they needed to do to achieve the desired outcome. And when you understand that, it's like when you're playing sports. There's a point which you when you play competitive sports, there's a point which you look at your competitor and you're like, okay, look. Is, is somebody will gonna prevail in this match right here, right? Mm -hmm. That's it, that somebody will, and you can see it straight up. It's like, what, this person here just wanted more than the other person. That, and, and so it's not, so you get away from all of the ideas about like, okay, well, God is behind this person. No, this person, this, like you can look in people's eyes when Mike Tyson was at his prime, you can look at Mike Tyson's eyes when he stepped in, you can look at his opponent like, look, they don't want this work today. <laughs> they, want, they, they want this to be a short work day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And he could see it too. And it wasn't, it wasn't about okay, well, who who prayed the most, who stayed on it. Nah, it was like this was, and I, and I'm saying that for black people, you got to have that kind of thing. You got to want it more. You got to want your freedom more than the people want you to be oppressed. Mm. That's the point. At, at that at that point, you got to want it. You got to want it more. And when you get to that point, you tap into something different. You find you find that extra level. And that's the part that's been, as long as you, as long as you keep thinking that it's something outside of you, as long as you miss the idea that you are the force, you the person that makes the miracles happen in your life, as long as you, as long as you, you miss that, you will keep looking other places and you recognize like, look, and I've used boxing because boxing is, is one of those sports where basically it's just you and that other person. Ain't no teammates. It's just, it's just whatever you brought into that ring is what is going, is what you're going to carry out of it, you know? <laughs> so it, 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 so it ain't no, it ain't about your know, teammates to back you up. It's like whatever I got coming to this ring, that's what's gonna carry me through. And and I think that's the kind of mentality you got. You gotta be like, I'm a force, and I can impose my will on things when I'm connected to this divine, this divine power source. That's and and there are a variety of ways you can get to that. You can get to that through prayer. You can get to that through meditation. You can get to that through extreme focus and discipline in your work. There are a variety of ways that one taps into that. But what is most important is you got to tap into that thing that allows you to be the force that that then sends forth things that do the work for you. Mm -hmm. That's a mic drop. And that's the essence of this podcast, tapping into the spirit. But I think that look, I think, but that I think that's the thing that that when you work with therapists who are really good at their job or good at their craft, that's mm -hmm. what they, that's what you're trying to get the client to do to recognize that you are the force mm -hmm. that can make the change in your life. It's not it's not outside of you, 
and I think that's the part that's scary because we are we are all we all have more confidence oftentimes I should say all we all but many of us have more confidence in a force outside of us mm-hmm. than the force inside of us. Right. Right. So I imagine people come to you for therapy all the time. They expect that you're gonna be the one that that effectuates the change. And they disappoint when they when they recognize not nah, I'm here to help you right. <laughs> be the force to effectuate the change in your life. It's like, well, what am I paying you for? Like, right. you know, that's the, you know, so for me, that's the that's the you know that's the you know with Iyana uh, Van's not you know her early book. One of my favorites of hers was Tapping the Power Within. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole idea. Like you got to find and that and that's about confidence. You got to have you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe like yo, I can make this happen. I can. I'm the one that can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know all of us you know have at various times you you have more confidence in other people. Than you have in yourself. I find myself sometimes speaking, you know, speaking life into other people that I won't even speak into my own self, right? Because right. it's easier for me to, to to pour into somebody else than it is for me to believe that, that I can pour into myself and I can be the force for change. So when are you gonna stop doing that? Well, I'm working on it. You know, that <laughs> I think that's I think that's part of I think that's part of the you know for me the challenge is always like you know you know you want to make sure you that you get it right while you still got time to actually enjoy getting it right. You don't want to be a motherfucker like 85. I got it right, but you can't do nothing but to watch everybody else play in the yard. <laughs> so I think that's the that's the, I think you know as a as a person who writes, writers experience this because you recognize that at some point nothing gonna happen if you don't commit to the page. Period. It's just nothing gonna happen if you don't commit to the page. It, it won't. The book literally won't happen without you. And that's the part that that's the part that you so you have to overcome the anxiety and stuff and recognize there's no amount of like osmosis or prayer or meditation is gonna magically put words on the page. You gotta do it. Right. And and writing is also the a way that reaffirms your power because when you write something, like when I write a poem or an essay and I go back and read, it, I, I I know I started with nothing. There was like literally it's a it's a, it's an act of primordial creation as a writer. You started with literally a blank slate. There's a blank page, and everything on that page is a function of your force and your will and intent on that page. That's why I like writing, because writing is one of those direct evidences of your own force in the world. When you write something, you think people reading like, oh, that's dope. And you think so look, it's I started with nothing and <laughs> I created this thing, right? So I was always telling people, like, you know, writing is one of those things where like you can always, it's a good way of you sort of seeing in a real in real time your ability to be able to impose i think this, i think it's also the, the appeal for uh professional athletes right especially at the high levels like you can see like lebron can see at every stage whether it was at cleveland or miami or not the lakers how his force was the in the energy that force sends forward the work that it that it, it produces and that that's reaffirming it's the same thing for jordan it's the same thing for Tiger when he's at the height of his powers. Like, you know, you, you can see, look, I'm facing the same course that everybody else is facing, but we ain't facing the same course. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm the difference. Mm-hmm. I'm the difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part. And I think that, you know, um, that I think that's a hard lesson to learn because the way that we are educated uh, in our society People are educated for export only. Like everything, all the values we learn are to make us palatable to other people. So, you, you know, if you think about it from K through 12, there's really no point where you actually are learning about you. You're all learning about you relative to how, you know, say yes, please, and thank you because it's a way of showing respect. Mm-hmm. But you don't really actually learn anything about you. 
about how to work with the force that is you. Mm-hmm. And and so part of the problem is that you end up we end up as adults, and we we, we had this whole thing. We know how to basically be for other people, but not how to be for ourselves. Yeah. And that's and that's part of the thing that you that you know we all have to work to sort of unlearn, um, or to learn a, a a different set of habits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this has been a great conversation. I, I think there are some <laughs> things there that we're going to have to be going back to and listening to again and, and really extending this um, this dialogue. And I think I'm going to be using some of this, uh, some of these pearls you just dropped because uh, it fits so, so well with this tapping in the spirit, you know, creating your own power force from within. Uh, that is actually... You know, even in even in uh, many of our traditions, it talks about being able to utilize the power within you to create like right. greater things than you than these. You will be able to do. Speaking of your own power within to make things happen, people don't look at it that way. Uh, we want to continue that- to put it outside of ourselves and, and and give somebody else responsibility when we have the responsibility. And I, and I think that you know the the, the the shift in terms of thinking about us as forces of nature rather than as spirit in nature right, right, right. has a, a different implication because it also has to do with your responsibility for as a force how your force interacts with other forces mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. they have profound implications for how we think about relationships profound implications for how we think about okay look you know maybe I need to you know dial my force back because my force is so strong that it will overpower this other person right, right? in terms of like raising children. Mm-hmm. Right. But again, I think that, you know, if we can go back and start to look at our systems and really get to the core of what they're trying to teach us, you know, because I think all religions at its core are about offering us technologies for living and then to, and to really modify that. So, you know, because to me, the whole idea of spirit and spirituality is a very passive kind of connotation, mm-hmm. whereas force is a very it, 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 it puts you in the center. It makes you responsible. <laughs> you know, it, it has it has to do with like how you show up. For certain things, right? You know, and it, it also holds you responsible in a certain kind of way. So, you know, we go back to the thing that you always talk about, you know, align your 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 actions with your values. Well, if you're a force of nature, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then you think about okay, well, how does that force work for the good? If, if my values are these things, how is that force aligning with the values that I have? Am I am I using that force for the good or am I using that force to manipulate people? Right. Am I using that force, you know, so. So for me, you know, the the shift away from this passive kind of thing where I'm just waiting for this thing to act on me as opposed to I'm a, a force in nature that has the capacity to act on other things, other phenomena to move things. You know, that's a whole different kind of reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And that's what we want people to move towards. We're going to keep putting that conversation out there, keep. Um, challenging people to think, to come out of older ways of thinking and look at um, newer prospects of right. owning what it is that we're capable of doing and then actually doing it. Um, so right. understanding it, not staying stuck in theory, but then saying, what is the practical application that I need to apply to make this thing manifest in the way that we want it to? Because uh, we have I, I, the same way they can harness power and make things happen mm-hmm. we can as well and part yeah. of undoing these these um, psychological 
chains and images, as as Baba Naeem Akbar would say, you know, taking those shackles off of our brains and not just being beholden to the historical way we have taught, we have been taught to just go along with what we are given as opposed to create a new paradigm for ourselves, one which yeah. centers us and allows us to tap into that spirit and then create the world for us from our perspective. Right. And I and I feel like we're we got a we got people who are out there doing that. You know, it, it's definitely yeah. a shift from where we were even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, certainly. We used to have these conversations as, as graduate students, yeah. right? right? And, and right. now look at where I just think about something as simple as, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, being able to love our our African self, um, being able to wear African attire, being able to mm-hmm. um, uh, talk about uh, Orisha, and then Beyonce and Chadwick Bozeman, Bozeman come along and boom, we pushing this ball right. down the hill and then all of right. a sudden they come along and now it's a part of the popular lexicon across right. the, the diaspora. And that's just amazing to me, you know, to hear people now and, and they're like, oh, you know about this? Uh, yeah, we've been talking about this for a minute, but I'm glad you get it when you get it because as Baba Armas says, and, the, and this work is not, quick work. It is right. work that is for, for centuries, really, generations, generations, generations. And so I'm, I'm just happy to see a, a part of it. And hopefully, we'll be able to see even more, you know, depending on how much time. Well, have. One of the things that, that the, the, the Trump moment has um, introduced us to is, the, is the, the, the importance of regional leadership. Right, like we always think about things in national ways. Like who who's gonna be the leader of Black folks? And 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 you know, in this period, well, I will say even going back to the Obama years, was that we we started to recognize the importance of regional leadership. Right, like so so some, how somebody in in Los Angeles, California, gonna speak for folks in Jackson, Mississippi? That's just ridiculous, right? And the, the whole idea that that that, that there's almost like a cellular kind of vibration, right? We focus on the major organs, but every major organ is a function of cells. Right, and those cells make the but you but you only see the you only see the heart and the lungs and the kidneys, but those are not possible without the cells. Mm-hmm. And I think that that what we what we sometimes are missing is all of the the cellular vibrations that are happening, all the places all around the country where sisters are talking about wearing a hair natural and the importance of protective hairstyles and waist beads and all of, all these little vibrations along the chain that don't show up in the. They, they, they end up, by the time you get to a Beyonce, right? Because Beyonce got some folk in her corner who was down with that tradition. But, sure. but, they, but, they, but they, they come to that tradition because of all of them other people, all of the cells that are vibrating all along the way that mm-hmm. then culminate in a, a Chadwick Bozeman and a, a, a Ryan Cogler or a, a Beyonce, right? You know, so again, it's like it's all the people that you don't see, the folks who are doing their little work in Durham and then Raleigh and then Charlotte and then Richmond mm-hmm. and then Anacostia and then, you know, and then Inglewood, all of these places slowly but surely. Then you see it rippling up to the top and then you see the organ mm-hmm. sort of starting to come in, come into being. So, you know, this, this is, you know, we're here to do this work and, um, I'm, pl- I'm glad and proud to be a part of it and glad I'm doing it with you. 
Indeed, indeed. And we're going to keep on doing it. And uh, so, wow, this has been great for me. And I hope that folks listening yeah. are getting as much out of this as, as, as we are. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, this is about tapping into spirit, which is um, part, I think, some of the primary work that I'm here to do. And uh, so we're going to uh, wrap up and, and give thanks to you again for joining us and for gracing us with those words and, and, and these new paradigms, this new way of thinking. I'm really going to be processing this moving forward here. This is really, really got my brain percolating. We're going to come back to it even more. But I hope uh, folks are challenged and uh, also equally stimulated. And, and like, oh, don't forget, if you have questions or thoughts, comments, you know, contact us and let us know um, uh, what you want us to talk about or things you want to have addressed or even things you want to say about um, things you agree with or disagree with. Um, yeah, uh, let us know so we can continue the dialogue because it's not about finding the right answer. It's, it's about continuing to ask the questions to go deeper and deeper. And that's what we're going to always be uh, doing as we continue doing this work. So, brother, thank you again for engaging this dialogue and uh thank you for having me and uh to all the listeners wishing everyone a blessed and prosperous uh 2021 and beyond and wishing everybody all good things without number and blessings without end all right and as we sign off remember to continue to be a critical thinker and tap into your spirit and allow your power to be a force that moves you in the direction that you want to go Peace and blessings to the next time. Yeah, talking about spirit. So in closing, we'd like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. And I was obviously too blind and probably too weak. To see who was responsible for my losing streak.